Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
How sweet and happy seem those days of which I dream when memory recall them now and then. And with what rapture sweet my weary heart would beat if I could hear my mother pray again. If I could hear my mother pray again if i could hear her tender voices then so glad i'd be could mean so much to me if i could hear my mother pray again She used to pray that I on Jesus would rely and always walk the shining gospel way. So trusting still his love, I seek that home above where I shall see my mother some glad day. If I could hear my mother pray again if i could hear her tender voice says then so glad i'd be couldn't mean so much to me if i could hear my mother pray again if i could hear my mother pray again if I could hear her tender voice says then, so glad I'd be, could mean so much to me. If I could hear my mother pray again.
Display. 
search my soul till I could find my voice. And I thank you for teaching me to be strong enough to bend. You gave me roots to start this life, and then you gave me wings to fly, and I learned to dream because you
trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Nadia, for that special music. If you will, turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Genesis. Genesis chapter 21. What a wonderful day we've had honoring the women of our church, honoring moms, uh, praising the Lord for new life, little babies that the Lord has brought into our church family, as well as baby Christians baptized that we could see that God is still saving lost souls. And so now we enter into the study of God's word as we come to Genesis chapter 21, verses 9 through 21, as we look at a brokenhearted mother. And as you're turning there, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you again today for what we've already experienced in worship in this unique uh, time today as we've honored the ladies of our church and the little ones, Lord, that you've brought into our church family. And Lord, today I pray that you would now stir our hearts, not just moms, not just ladies, but any of us who have ever found ourselves in what seems like such a hopeless situation that we don't feel like there's any way to turn, that there's no one that can help us. Lord, I pray that we would look up and recognize that you were there all along and that we can always trust you in whatever may seem like the difficult day, that there could be no answer, Lord, that you are the answer. And we can always turn to you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would stir hearts. Lord, if there is even one here today that's lost, I pray that they would hear uh, and that they would recognize that they can come to you and they can be saved, Lord, if they would just repent of sin and cry out to you for salvation. And so, Lord, this morning, I know I'm a very weak vessel. I'm behind the cross that only you'd be seen, only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you will, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Genesis 21, begin with me there in verse 9. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous. In Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water, and he gave it unto Hagar putting it on her shoulder and the child, and he sent her away. And she departed and wandered into the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bowshot. For she said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. 
And God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave it the lad, and gave the lad drink. And God was with the lad, and he grew, and he dwelt in the wilderness, and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. You may be seated. I think this morning we could all agree that the Bible is a book of hope. It's a book filled with stories of love, power, faith, and glory. It is a book with a message of grace, peace, salvation, redemption, and miracles. And yet, the Bible is a book filled with impossible and even hopeless situations, it would seem. Stories appear on the pages of God's Word, and many of them are impossible situations. In many of those stories, there seems to be no solution. There seems to seemingly be no way out. Storms, needs, death, sickness, and many other problems and troubles appear that to the human mind are impossible and hopeless. And yet, time after time, these impossible, these hopeless situations are handled with ease by the sovereign power of our God. One of these stories is the text that we just read this morning. And so let's look together at this passage that details a hopeless situation in the life of a woman named Hagar. The story opens in the home of a man that we are all very familiar with probably this morning, a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham may have been the father of the faithful, but his family life was in shambles. Consider the context of the relationship between Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, and Ishmael. According to Genesis 16, this arrangement did nothing but cause trouble for Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. Sarah was jealous of Hagar and her baby, and Hagar was jealous of Sarah and her relationship with Abraham. And poor Abraham is caught in the middle of trying to please two women. An impossible situation. Which is why the Lord says, take only one wife. By the way, I think we can all see that the world is still paying a high price for Abraham's sin. We are still paying the price, and you can see it as you open up the paper, as you watch the evening news. This battle is still going on today. In our text, things have come to a head, though. There is civil war in Abraham's tent. As a result, Hagar finds herself in a desperate situation. In the midst of that terrible time, she has a powerful and in a personal encounter with Almighty God. And out of Hagar's pain come a ray of hope for all those who find themselves in a hard and harsh place of life. And so regardless of the arena of life, I want you to see that God can take your hopeless situation and that he can turn it around for his glory. I want to focus in on the question the Lord asked Hagar there in verse 17. What aileth thee? 
what aileth thee this morning? If you have an ailment, regardless of what it may be, God has a word of hope for you in these verses. There is hope for the hopeless situation here. There is a plan for the problem. There is a cure for your condition. And so let's consider the lesson that presents themselves in this passage, a broken-hearted mother. First, we look at verses 9 through 14, and we see that it was a time of harsh rejection. These relationships have been strained for many years. And in this passage, Isaac is about three years old, and that would mean that Ishmael is somewhere around 17 years old at this time. They are celebrating Isaac's maturing from just being a little baby boy to being a, uh, to being a baby to being a little boy at this point. So things have come to a head during this feast, and Hagar faces a terrible time of rejection. We see there in verses 9 and 10 the reason for this rejection. It seems that Ishmael was mocking or making fun of Isaac during the festivities. Now the word mocking is a strong form of the word Isaac, which means laughter. And so Ishmael saw all his hopes of inheritance dashed in the birth of Isaac. You see, he knew that Isaac was the son of promise and he knew that he was the son of a slave. He realized that he will never be anything more than he is right now and he is jealous of Isaac. And so we're, we're told here that he acts out during this particular feast. Sarah sees this and as any mom would, she blows up on Abraham, demanding that Hagar and Ishmael be sent away. The phrase cast out means to drive away. So any of you moms out there, imagine that somebody's making fun of your little baby boy and how you react to that. And this has been going on for years. How would you react to that? Sarah reacts in that way. I would just mention that to mock Isaac, though, was a very serious matter to the Lord as well. Because to mock Isaac was to mock God's people. Because Isaac was the one through whom the nation of Israel would come. And to mock Isaac was to mock God's promise because Isaac was the son of promise. He was the miracle baby. To mock Isaac was to mock God's power because Isaac came into the world because God was greater than old age. God was greater than a dead womb. God was greater than the abilities of men. To mock Isaac was to mock God's provision you see, because it would be through Isaac that the Messiah would come into the world. And so we then see in verses 11 through 14 the realities of this, re of this rejection. The realities of this rejection. Abraham is reluctant to do what Sarah is demanding that he do. I mean, think about this. After all, it would be against all human sensibilities and against all the norms of decent society to send them away in this way because without God's intervention, this would have meant certain death for the servant and her son. And yet God tells him that it is part of his plan for Isaac and for Ishmael. And so for Abraham, this is as real as it gets right here. This is sending his son away. He's forced to send away his oldest son and he's forced to send away that son's mother and he is brokenhearted over it. And so the word grievous means to tremble or to quiver. And so this event shook Abraham to his very foundation. And there is no doubt here that he loved Ishmael and that he certainly had feelings for Hagar. She had been living with them 
for quite some time, and he had had a physical relationship with her, which would mean there are some feelings attached there. So this was a hard morning for Abraham. But it's important for us to understand that an even harder morning was coming. In the next chapter, God will command Abraham to sacrifice Isaac on Mount Moriah. There in Genesis uh, chapter 22, Abraham is honored that the Lord is both. We see that Abraham honors the Lord in both of these cases, though. And he does exactly what the Lord asks him to do in both situations. Sending Ishmael away here was merely preparation for the much greater service that the Lord would ask for him at Mount Moriah. If Abraham had refused to give up Ishmael, then he would have never even considered giving up Isaac. And so we all know that life can be like that at times. Things are going well one moment and then the next we are on our backs looking up wondering how we got there. That has to be how Abraham is feeling here. This life is filled with hard realities and heartbreaking moments. Sickness comes, people die, relationships fall apart, churches disintegrate, finances fail, depression rears its ugly head, difficulties arise, trouble dogs our every step. That is the reality of life. Of course, God said that it would be that way, and some of you have been there, and others certainly are headed in that direction. But secondly, we see that it was a time of hopeless realities. Look at verses 15 through 16. We see there in verse 15 that there was a problem. The context here can be seen in verse 14. Why why did Abraham send them away with just a bottle of water and with just a little bit of bread when he had all the resources that would have been necessary to to have taken care of their every need? Abraham was an incredibly wealthy man, so why a little bit of bread and a bottle of water? Well, I think it's because he was taking God at his word here. He simply released Ishmael and Hagar into the sovereign hand of God, and he trusted that God would do right by them. They are in a desperate situation, but that is how life can be at times. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 1.8, For we know not... Brethren, have you ignorant of, for, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. The word measure in that verse means to throw beyond. God took Paul beyond what Paul was able to handle within himself. Sometimes the burdens of life really are more than we can bear. It's heavier than any human being in and of their own strength can, can, can bear. We can't take another step in our own strength. Even when the burdens of life exceed our ability, though, to bear them, we need to remember that they never exceed the Lord's, that He is always greater than our circumstances. He is always greater than the problems of our life. So praise the Lord, even when the load gets heavy, that we can remember that he is in the yoke with us. And he is carrying our part of the load as well. But also we see there in verse 16 that there was pain. There was pain. Hagar's heart is broken here. She is sure that Ishmael is going to die and she leaves him under a bush and she goes away because she doesn't want to witness 
the death of her only son. And so we're told that she went a bow shot away, which is about a thousand feet. Hagar leaves Ishmael there and she goes off and she begins to weep. She found herself in a situation that she could not fix and from which she could not escape. I wonder, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that place? Many of us here this morning have been. David was. David found himself in that hopeless place. And in Psalm 55, we we find that he said he wanted to fly away. Most of us like to be in control of our lives. And when we can't control it or fix it, we get desperate in those situations. That's what Hagar was. Of course, Hagar shouldn't have worried. She had the promise of God that he was going to make Ishmael the father of a great nation. She had already been promised that in Genesis 16. He wasn't going to die there in the wilderness because God had already made a promise that he would be a great nation. But in that moment of desperation, Hagar's pain blinded her from God's promise. And I think many of us have been to that place as well. We know what God's word says, and we believe it 100%. But in the midst of the pain, in the the middle of the circumstance, it's hard for us to remember. And it's hard for us to see. The fact is, sometimes life hurts, and sometimes it hurts badly. And when it does, we want to run away from the problems and the pain. What we fail to see is that our pain is the path God is using to fulfill the promises that he has made to us. And if you can learn to trust him, even when you can't trace him, he will grant you his peace in your times of pain. But also we see there in verses 16 and 17 that there was prayer. We don't know whether Hagar prayed or not, but we certainly know that Ishmael did. Because we're told that God heard him and it caused God to move to help him. And by the way, the name Ishmael means God hears. And so prayer is an ever-present resource for the believer. We can run to him anytime, anywhere, for any purpose, and he has promised to hear us and to help us. You see, prayer should always be our first priority, not the final straw. Prayer should be the first thing that we go to, not the last. Here's the truth. Problems are going to come into all of our lives. And when they do, they will come unwanted and they will come unannounced. And when they come, they will hurt us and they will hurt us deeply at times. When they come, we must not delay. We must run to the Lord because he will hear us and he will help us. He may change the situation, but church, more often, more often he will change us us in the midst of the situation. That's the testimony that Paul had. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, Paul says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, 
in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I am become a fool in, glor- in glorying, yea, have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Church, when I look at this, I, I, I see the difference between Paul's attitude and trouble and my own is that I haven't yet reached a place where I openly welcome trouble, as it seems Paul did. But when I look at Paul's life and I look at the way that God used Paul's life, maybe I should. I think Paul had something there. I think he understood something that many of us fail to see. Many years ago, A.W. Tolzer said, The devil and things and people being what they are, it is necessary for God to use the hammer, the files, and the furnace in God's holy work of preparing a saint for true sainthood. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. If the Lord is going to develop you into the image of Christ, which is why he saved you in the first place, then he will do so through the events of your life. And he will send you exactly what it's going to take to transform you into the person that he saved you to be. But thirdly, I want you to look at verses 17 through 21. It was a time of hidden resources. When Hagar went through this time of terrible tragedy, she was enveloped by some very precious but hidden resources, it seems. She didn't realize it, but God was there and he was just what she needed all the way through this terrible situation. She was so overcome by her grief, though, that she could not see the resources that were right there before her eyes. We see in verses 12 through 13, God's providence here. God had a plan in all of this. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31, you probably remember that Paul speaks of, in this epistle, of an illustration of salvation using this very situation right here between Hagar and Sarah. In that, Sarah is pictured, is the picture of grace, the grace of God. Whereas Hagar is the picture of the law of works. Isaac is the picture of faith. Ishmael is a picture of the flesh. And so the lesson in Galatians chapter 4 is clear. Grace and law are incompatible. And so are flesh and faith. And so Ishmael represented the efforts of the flesh. And he had to go. So that the son of faith, Isaac, might obtain his rightful place. The pain and the suffering were both a part of God's eternal plan, both in the short term and in the long term. God was using these events in the life of Abraham and Isaac, and he is still using them to teach us about his plan to save sinners. And so the same is true for us. The same is true. You see, God has a plan, and sometimes it involves us walking through some of the hard places of life. He knows what he's doing. And until you walk through the valley, you cannot appreciate the mountaintop experience. Just ask Elijah, just ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just go and ask Daniel. Just go and ask the disciples. 
in that boat in the midst of the storm. Just go and ask those hungry 500 men plus their families there on the hillside as Jesus is preaching. Go and ask Mary and Martha at the death of their brother Lazarus. God was working in every one of those situations to bring about his glory and to accomplish his eternal purpose. Thank God that he is in control and there are no accidents in our lives. God knows what he is doing in the good times and in the difficult. But also we see there in verse 17 God's presence. She didn't know it, but God had been there the whole time. And by the way, he won't leave you either. Some of you are in a difficult day. He will not leave you. He will be there. You will never live one second or take one step in this world as a child of God without him there. He's there. But also we see in verse 17, God's peace. God called her by name. Notice the contrast between verse 17 and verse 10. God was concerned about her problem and God spoke peace to her heart. You see, church, God knows. God cares and God can speak peace to your heart. But in verse 18, we see God's promise. He may not make you a great nation, but he will take care of you. And that's the promise that we see even in the life of Ishmael. But also we see in verse 19, God's provision. He opened her eyes and showed her what had been right in front of her all along. If you look there, what the Bible says is that, and God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. There are two words in the Old Testament referring to well. One of those words speaks of an artesian well or of a, of a, of a spring rising up, um, bringing water, which is a natural event. Uh, it occurs naturally within, within the world. But the second word, the word used here, is the word that refers to a dug well. And I want you to think about that. At some point in the past, God had moved on the heart of some traveler to dig a well right there. Right where Hagar and Ishmael were going to be and where they were going to find themselves in need. God did that because he knew that they would be in that spot on that very day and that they would need water and there would be a well there to offer them hope, to offer them the assurance that God was with them. Hallelujah. God knows what he's doing. And he's working through every event in life. He knows what he's doing. Praise the Lord. I just want to remind you that we have God working in our lives on both ends of time to accomplish his purpose. God is already in your tomorrow and he is already in your there. And when you get there, you will find him and what he has already left there for your provision. It's an amazing thing to serve an eternal God who loves us and that all that he does is for his glory and for our good. I want to remind you that he is Elulum, the eternal God. He is Yahweh, the I am, and he is also the God who is able. And our problems blind us many times to his provisions. And he can open our eyes, though, and he can show us that he has always been there and that he is everything that we would ever need in our lives. He has what you need. If you will come to him, then you can find the provision that you need. 
And so, again, we go back. We go back to verse 17. What aileth thee? Think about that this morning, church. What aileth thee? Whether it is whatever it is this morning. Listen again to the words of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Look at verse 19 for a moment. God gave Hagar a well, but notice that she's still trying to live off of the bottle. And that's just how we are so often, isn't it? God has given us unlimited spiritual resources in himself, and we settle for so much less. It's time to throw away your bottles and jump into the well, because God has everything you need. Come to him and trust him to provide it. Brinesburg, I want you to know this morning there is a well. There is a well of salvation for the, for the lost. There is a well of hope for the hopeless. There is a well of power for the weak. There is a well of joy for the brokenhearted. There is a well of peace for the trouble. There is a well of provision for the needy. There is a well of forgiveness for the fallen. And there is a well of restoration for the broken. And so this morning, what aileth thee? Bring it to him now and let him show you that he knows who you are and he knows the path that you're walking. He knows what's happening in your life and he knows what you need. He loves you and he cares for you and he has a plan for you. Brinesburg, what aileth thee? For some of you, there's the pain of loss. For some of you, there's the pain of sickness. For some of you, there's the pain of broken relationships. For some of you, there's the pain that comes in knowing you're lost and that you don't have a relationship with Christ. I want you to recognize this morning that Jesus Christ came to this world, that he died on the old rugged cross at Calvary, that he shed his blood, that you might be saved. He died. He was buried for three days. He rose again. And he says it's a gift that you have to open. Will you accept him today? Are you going to put him off for another week? Because many of you have been putting him off week after week after week. And we've gone through revival services and you've sat there and you've put him off. And we went through Resurrection Sunday and you sat there and you put him off. And we've gone through week after week of the, of the gospel being shared with you clearly. And you keep on putting him off. I'll tell you what aileth you this morning. You are lost. And I want to be very honest with you this morning. As a lost person, you are headed for a devil's hell. There's no other way I can put it. You need Jesus. You need salvation. But you must come. What aileth you this morning? Jesus is here, and he is the answer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning so thankful that we have a God who loves us and a God who provides for us. And thank you for this reminder in the life of, of Hagar, a bond servant, and her son, Ishmael. Lord, and oftentimes we don't think of them when we think of your provision. Oftentimes we don't think of them when we think of your love. But you were there. You are there all along. And Lord, some of us may think that you've given up on us and that you don't care about us. But you do. And you're there right now. Some of us this morning are lost in desperate need of salvation. But for whatever reason, we're scared. We're scared to take that step to reach out to you and to cry out to you for salvation. Lord, help us to come. Some of us need to come to this altar, and we need to lay down some heaviness here. We need to cry out to you and just leave it here and recognize that you're, you're the God who can pick it up and you can carry it away for us, and we don't have to take it back up again. 
Lord, do the work that only you can do today. Or stir hearts, if it's salvation, if it's time of prayer, if it's needing to join this church family, whatever it may be. Lord, help us to respond as you call us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with your relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.